Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, wanted to shout out our guy, Kevin O'Connor. He is working overtime. Every single time I come down here to the Spotify offices, I run into KOC. He's got a smile on. He's running from one studio to the next, recording all his many shows. If you haven't checked it out on FanDuel TV, Beyond the Arc, KOC is breaking down what's happening in the NBA world the best. I mean, he's really doing a great job. And then also, if you're not a TV guy, you don't want to watch linear stuff, go check out the mismatch with our guy, Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. They're breaking down everything that's happening in the playoffs and they're getting you geared up for the NBA finals. So go check that out now. Again, it's the mismatch beyond the R. Kevin O'Connor, Chris Vernon. They're out there. They're making things happen. Go do that now. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have Kyle Mann in the building. And guess what? We're going to talk about testing the waters. The pool is finally closing for all the mini draft prospects. So guys have to decide, will they or won't they? Should they? Could they? And will they? At the end of the day, we don't have the actual final decisions all done because, look, we're recording this on May 31st. This is the actual deadline day. So myself and Kyle Mann, we forecast a little bit. We do a little bit of a good call, bad call. Should they come back? Should they stay in the draft with some of the biggest names? So it's a lot of fun there. And then also, in case you missed it, the NBA Finals, they are happening. The Denver Nuggets for the first time in NBA history, even though they did it in the ABA, versus the Miami Heat with Pat Riley going to his 19th NBA Finals. I decided to ask the proverbial question, who is the best college basketball player in the NBA Finals at their apex? And then Kyle and I drafted a starting five and a six man, built our teams out, did a little GM mode, a little fantasy drafting because it's the offseason. We wanted to have a little bit of fun. But again, it's myself. It's Kyle Mann. Producer Kyle is in the building in Los Angeles, a week away from wedding week in New York City. Kyle, are you fired up for the show? We got really nothing to talk about, which is one of the best shows. These are the most fun shows. Are you ready to go? Can we do this? Can we make it happen? I just got my catering bill, and I think this is what cold feet feels like. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right. Welcome into One Shining Podcast. It is Wednesday. It is May 31st and it is 9 a.m. here in Los Angeles. And I am joined by the great Kyle Mann. Kyle Mann, how you doing? How you holding up, man? I know uh, you you actually had to work on the holiday this week. Uh, Yeah, holiday. It all kind of runs together. That's why I was telling KOC I'm doing great. Let's not get carried away and like label me as great. I don't want to get too. Let's not get too wild. The day's wild enough. Mm. Tate, you know, this day is just carnage. I was I was sitting having myself. I have I've sort of like a little I was telling you guys, I have a little ritual I like to do on Wednesdays. I like to go have a nice breakfast, take my time in the morning, you know, get my laptop out, you know, sort of peruse and see what's going on today. It's just I feel like we're untangling Christmas lights. I'm I'm like, I'll, I'll untangle a little bit and be like, OK, I kind of know what that guy's doing. And I'll, I'll start to feel like maybe I have a sense for the board. I'm mixing my metaphors here of what's going on. Um. But yeah, like we're going to talk about uh, the college basketball board is just insanity right now. There's so much going on. Um, a lot more kind of broader takeaways to to unpack here. But I- I'm I'm reeling a little bit, if I'm being honest. I'm just trying to get, get a sense of what's going on. I need it to calm down a little bit, Tate. Well, we talk about it on the show and it's talking about, you know, testing the waters, right? Right now, all of these college prospects, they're in the proverbial pool. They're all swimming around. They're all having a great time. And now the lifeguards are coming up to the side. They're blowing the whistles and they're saying, all right, who's going to stay in? 
who's going to come out. Today is the deadline. We have actual live news coming in right now. Like we just found out Tristan Newton, right, of UConn, a.k.a. Mr. Triple Double, the guy that goes and wins a national championship. He's coming back. That's good news for UConn. On the flip side, Adama Sanogo, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, he's going to stay in the pool. So right now, we have a lot of decisions that are being made. I like to think of us as kind of like lifeguards, not personal lifeguards as we look at this pool of draft players, but we're just trying to protect you. You know, with some guys, I think they need to go back, like Adim Bona for UCLA. We just saw that he decided... Guys, I'm a little, you know, wrinkly, shriveled up. I've been in the pool for quite some time. I don't like it. I want to dry off. I want to sit by the pool um, and go back to UCLA. Great decision. If I'm a lifeguard, I'm like a Dimbona, get out of the pool. And I'm looking at Jalen Clark and I'm saying, Jalen, did you hear what he said? If you come back to UCLA, you might be a star. So right now we're all looking at these players. We're all trying to forecast what they may do, what they might do. And you put this out on Twitter and I thought it was a great point. Where is our insider? Where is our scooper? Where is our woge? That so is frustrating. Yeah, right now I'm having to to go on Twitter and trust, you know, uh, basically, you know, accounts like our guy Trilly Donovan. He he's probably the the guy on the four, you know, the the foremost out there that's saying this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But where is our insider? Where is our scooper? Um, put up the bat signal. We need someone to help us, right, Kyle? Yeah, it's it, people are. I put that out, and people were are ready to. I don't. I don't know truly. I don't. Uh, I'm, we're going to start doing the first name thing this early on, but um, <laughs> it seems like he has some info going for him. But I, I'm I like to think to it's the it actual to, guy named Trilly. We're like, we don't know yeah. Trilly personally. Seems like a great guy. Got a lot of info. Yeah, Trilly, Trilly is going. I'm sure it's, there's a kid out there named Trilly by this point. Maybe I should have jumped on that and made Julian's middle name Julian Trilly Man. I mean, eh, it, it, not exactly. I was going to say um, this. Ron Holland just committed to the G League. There's another big one that pops off here. But um, yeah, it seems like I, I'm just like jumping around all these different accounts, just trying to piece together the action. And, you know, gl- you know, Malcolm Gladwell has that. I'm going to be one of those douchey guys who quotes Malcolm Bl- Gladwell again. Um, <laughs> just it just seems like it's the thing that people do. It's one of the easiest books. I'm quote, pretty sure the last time we did a podcast, <laughs> Kevin Clark quoted Malcolm Gladwell, and I appreciated him doing that. But I, I took it as wow, Kevin Clark's reading books. You know, I think that's the if you know an author, it's kind of like uh, Roman Roy when he was asked about the last book that he read at the dinner table, and they kept you know asking the title, then they Google the title, and the title doesn't exist. He's like, I, I think that's what it was. And they're like, well, who wrote that Roman? You know, I think when you say an author, that means that you have read a book before. And I think that checks a box, but continue. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, it just seems like we're at one of those points where there's, there's flux and there's a moment for, you know, proximity to a huge shift. You know, it's like people who are early on, on, on this or that digital trend end up becoming the big thing. And it's not like this is a new thing. Like maybe it'll just end up being Gavoni or Woj or somebody like that. But it just, it seems like there's an opening here to sort of like pool a lot of this information together because you were saying it's like a pool. I kind of feel, I had a vision in my head of that scene from Titanic, wherever they do like the, the, the increasingly wider shot, wherever mm-hmm. you just, you realize the sheer amount of people who are in the water and they're just kind of flailing. That's kind of what I feel like. I'm, I'm hearing stories from, from agents about players who are like not b- communicating what, like the agent involvement in this too, is just really interesting. It seems like it's created a lot of new revenue streams for those guys, like with the NIL stuff, but just the combination of, you know, in the, it, this is like free agency, 
times what? I mean, the times five, like just the a because of the volume of players B because you've got guys who are not just coming to school. They might choose to come back to just college and go somewhere else. And we're trying to keep track of all that. Then we get the grad transfer thing going on, even though the transfer portal is, you know, ostensibly closed for the underclassmen. Um, I'm just I'm my head's spinning a little bit. And, you know, not to mention uh, my my cats. Um are kind of they're they're in one of the more brutal beats. Like we have no clue what's going on. Kentucky's going to play in a tournament this summer, and they have like seven guys on the roster. So um, I'm sure there are a lot of fan bases out there kind of feeling the same way. It's it's just carnage. Yeah, I think everyone's head is spinning, and everyone's looking around, and they're saying, "Well, if this happens, then that's going to happen." And there's a whole lot of if and then conditional statements that are happening in college basketball. And when we talk about roster construction. I mean, that just blows your mind. It's almost menacing. And it's not that, you know, I feel bad for the coaches or, you know, I'm not trying to frame it that way, but it is frustrating because you don't know if Oscar Shibway, who on the deadline date has not made a decision and everyone's saying, well, he's leaning this way or he's 50-50 or, but it's all scuttlebutt, right? I mean, that that's really the, the word of the day when it comes to all this sort of stuff. It's all scuttlebutt. It's all what agents are putting out there. And the, the implementation of the two-way contract contract and the promises and the guarantees of the two-way contract um, has created this sort of ecosystem where every guy has at least one team that says, oh yeah, we can promise you you'll be a second round pick. Oh, we can promise you our two-way. And some guys, that's all they need. Like Muhammad Gay, right, at Washington State. From what I gather, he was told by one team that he is a second round pick. He would be their second round pick. And that was enough for him to say, okay, I'm going to stay in the draft, right? But that that doesn't always that's not one to one for everybody. And then, like you said, a guy like Tyler Burton from Richmond, he's in the draft pool. He's getting a lot of good feedback. People like what they're seeing from him, but he's also getting recruited by the Blue Bloods. Kansas is recruiting him. Um, you know, Duke is in the mix. There's a, there's a Arizona, right? There's there's teams that are talking to him. that are saying we can give you this deal. We can give you this amount of money. He's weighing that against a two way contract and the guarantees of a two way contract. And all the bids come in. Tyler Burton reviews them and says, you know what? I'm going to go to Villanova. Um, and that's going to be my move for next year. But the craziest part is that it's all happening in this very tight timeline in, a, in about 48 hours. And yes, conversations have been happening, but the actual decisions are being made on this tight timeline. And there's bags coming from everywhere. You mentioned Ron Holland. He's the number one recruit in 2023. He's someone that, you know, Arkansas was hot on. They thought they had a real chance with him. Um, from what I gather from the Arkansas people, they thought that they were going to get him. And then, like you said, 10 minutes ago, G League Ignite puts out their Tipton edit. I mean, Joe Tipton should be sending cease and desist to the G League Ignite right now, but they put out their graphic and they say, we got the number one player coming to G League Ignite. And we also have Modest Buzelis, right, who's going to probably be the number one pick in 2024 based on what we've seen on draft board. So they got two of the top guys are going to the G League Ignite now. So they're also a player in this. And it goes back to the word of scuttlebutt, head spinning. I don't even know what to say. But for me, the one name that keeps coming back in my mind as far as I think, um, you know, sort of the, the face of this whole situation is Zach Eady. Because Zach Eady mm -hmm. is coming off being national player of the year in college basketball. Last year, we saw Oscar Shibway come back after winning National Player of the Year. You know, he got the feedback from the NBA that said you should come back. But Zach Eadie's getting good feedback. And uh, it sounds like NBA teams really like Zach Eadie. And I don't want to be pessimistic about this, but if you're a Purdue fan, if he was sure to come back, you feel like you would have heard by now, right? So that's that's the other part of this whole thing. And I keep 
coming back to Edie, and there's plenty of guys that we can run through, but if he comes back to college basketball, I think that is like a, a green mark, a good mark. We are moving in the right direction. If he goes to the NBA, I mean, kudos to him. Congratulations. Things are going to work out. But I think that might be um, maybe a cloud to college basketball a little bit. But what what do you think and how do you take stock of the ED situation? Because I want to get in the nuance of this, but I don't think you can lose to a 16 seed as a one seed and then not come back, especially if you're National Player of the Year. Am I crazy to feel that way? I mean, I think it would do a lot to, I don't know that they're going to have a Virginia situation and come back and win the title. I mean, out of the talent there was unique in that, in that scenario. But for Edie, I think what this has done is created, um, you know, in the, in the past, I'm, I'm not going to be so naive as to suggest that no money was changing hands in the past, but, um, this, this in the past, you know, whenever guys were sort of, um, when guys were on the fringe where it was like, you know, maybe they were sort of leaning in toward in the, in the direction of they, they're not quite ready. Guys would take the plunge and there was, you know, not as much of a net there where today it's like there is a little more motivation to come back. You know, you're not going to just you're going to get compensated in some way. Uh, there's a little bit more comfort, I think. Um, so. You know, that's been a good thing. But if you're looking at like Zach Eady, I think what 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 this situation has created is, is a, a landscape where guys who sort of create legitimate college brands can weigh that legitimately and say like, OK, I'm, I'm going to I'm not going to be like living like a poor college student next year. I'm going to be able to make a lot of money on on my brand. And Zach Eady, I think what his situation is so unique just because he is you know, his size makes him such a, an interesting character. And it, aside from him being like a good player. Um, and I think he's going to at Purdue, he's a big fish in, in a pond where, um, he's going to be able to come back and make a lot of money as a brand. So, and he's also like, here's the thing, Tate is like, he's probably never going to be as real, like as relevant as he is right now. And I think that's something to really weigh like next year when he goes, he's just going to, he'll be a big do deal with Purdue fans, but like, he's not going to be able to really capitalize on that past past the season so you know he's gonna just become another guy on the bench You're like oh you remember zach Eady? like this is his moment coming back though he risks getting hurt that's the thing for a guy his size um i don't know i, I haven't really heard much in the in the in the realm of like or along the lines of like a guarantee for him and like obviously not the first round but um i'm not gonna say it's not possible but i haven't heard it and then second round i haven't really heard that either but uh, it, it's definitely possible but I understand why he would consider coming back to, also just for the the bad taste in the mouth, like you said, but with, from the from the losing a fairly Dixon thing. Yeah, and it comes back to we're the lifeguards, right? So if I'm your lifeguard and I'm trying to give you some advice here, Zach Eady, if you do go to the NBA, I think that you risk the chance of losing the Purdue faithful behind you because they're only going to remember, I mean, despite winning National Player of the Year, there's going to be a salty taste in the mouth after losing to a 16 seed second time in NCAA tournament history. If you come back, even if you were to get hurt, you at least tried to come back. You tried to make this thing happen. And I don't think there's a world in which Zach Eady is going to be a first round pick in the NBA in the current NBA, unless he, you know, his footwork gets better. And, you know, I mean, th there's some drastic changes where he's maybe not, you know, as, unreliable as he can be and so you know and one dimensional as he is at some times but I think the, the play the brand play to be a brand guard is you have to come back to Purdue you have to fight the good fight for college basketball I hope that's what he ends up deciding but as as we sit here um, and as the deadline is looming it just feels like at this point if you had like Ryan Kalkbrenner is a perfect example 
Kalkbrenner is another big, um, you know, a, a defensive rim protector guy who wins Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He announces two days ago he's coming back to Creighton. Okay, that changes the dynamic of Creighton now. You have Baylor Shireman. You have Ryan Kalkbrenner. Obviously, you lose Nimhard, but Trey Alexander is another guy uh, with their team. Art Kaluma's in the transfer portal. So they still have, you know, pieces to be figured out, but Kalkbrenner makes the decision. He announces that maybe helps Creighton if you get in the grad transfer pool, things like that. But I feel like a decision would would have been made by Edie. That's what worries me. Um, if I if he's listening right now, the decision has already been made. Zach Edie, just just to be your lifeguard, I feel like Purdue is the move. Come back for one more year. Be a face of college basketball. Be a name for college basketball. And like you said, I mean, what are you going to be? Taco Fall, you know? I mean, Boban, right? You're gonna you're gonna hopefully be one of these characters in the NBA that State Farm says. Oh, he's tall and interesting, but his personality doesn't really match either one of those guys, right? I mean, he's kind of, you know, a little bit standoffish, a little aloof at times. So I just I just think Purdue will embrace him. They will love him no matter the result if he decides to come back and he will be an important cog in the machine of college basketball. And sometimes when you have that kind of cachet like Drew Timmy did last year, Oscar Sheboy last year already mentioned, I just think that's the the better brand play. And, and if I'm your lifeguard and you're in the and you're in the pool of NBA prospects and there's a lot of guys that are going to be ahead of you in this pool, why not pull out and uh, and come hang out on the side and uh, we'll all have a great time watching college basketball together. Um, I think that's the best. He just feels like the one that centrally kind of says which way we're leading here. And if you're going to leave this, this NIL world where you can get paid a lot of money just for a second round guarantee or a two-way guarantee – I don't know about you, Kyle, but that that feels insane to me. And maybe maybe I just maybe that's my college basketball. Um, I have my college basketball glasses on. But when there's money to be made, I think there's more money to be made at Purdue than there is in the NBA right now for Edie. So why not come back and and lean into it? And uh, and it's good for everybody. It's a win win. And there aren't that many win wins out there. His value to them is higher than it would be otherwise. And I, you know, as a basketball player, I think that who he is now is probably who he's going to be a year from now. Like he doesn't have the same kind of questions, you know, like if you consider like an Andre Jackson, I know has kind of flirted with whether or not to go, you know, Jordan Walsh, our guy for, for mm-hmm. Arkansas. These are guys who have swing skills that maybe in a year's time could dramatically affect the guaranteed money that they could get. And you think about, okay, I'll come back where my value is higher to one of these schools. Uh, and and develop these things. But it's also another thing to consider is, you know, this is a, a situational thing. It is a case-by-case basis where um, maybe somebody just wants out. They just, maybe their personal situation dictates that that they want to go and develop on the dime of a team if they have the guarantee to go do that. Um, but Edie, I, I think just as an NBA player, not to go to like scouty brain here, but like I just think that he's probably, if you think about these playoffs as as the lens to look at guys' value, uh, who's going, who's not going to go, he seems to me like I can't really imagine him playing in any of these conference finals games just because I, I think he's probably at best going to be like a situational tool that you could bring in. You could throw a body at this or that player. You look at a guy like Mo Bamba, who's more mobile, who is, you know, um, you know, probably had more better shot blocking instincts at a younger age than Edie. And uh, he has just had like a very meandering wandering career. Couldn't even, he got available and couldn't even get on the floor. Uh, so I just think if you're if you're Edie, yeah, man, a year from now, it's going to be probably the same situation. Just come back, get the feedback you need. Get very the info is very valuable in this situation too. 
uh, come back and, and get the get the very detailed info that you need to get better and work on that in a year's time and come out and embrace the next phase of life as you move on. Yeah, I remember Frank Kaminsky started in an NBA Finals game, so I always have to um, – <laughs> that, that's like my, uh, my, my starter, my preface, because when I look at guys and I try to forecast the NBA futures, I think of the Finals and I think about 10 guys on the court. Could he be one of those 10 guys? And Edie feels like maybe to guard a baseline out-of-bounds play – um, you know, maybe like a specific instance where he could he could be of use because of his size. But other than that, I don't think he really fits into the fold right now. And that's no knock on Edie because, again, he started playing basketball at 15. I think he can get better, and I think he will get better if he's a primary option at Purdue next year. Um, let's talk about the the reigning, or not the reigning, the, the prior reigning National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibwe, because it feels like Shibwe is one of those guys where he's done all he's supposed to do in college, um, you and I have pointed out some of his struggles passing the ball, dealing with double teams, things like that. But can that really be improved upon or is that just kind of is what it is at this point? Do you think there's value for him potentially for a pro or a pro career if he does come back to UK? Because it feels like Kentucky expects him to come back, right? Just by the way that they recruited. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is, it, this is kind of hilarious because the, the year that I've had sort of watching him and, um, just living and dying with, with, with his ability to showcase some of the skills that would impact whether or not he could be a pro, um, I, on our draft show the other day, I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I actually kind of made the argument for, for what he could do, like where he would fit in on an NBA team, just because some of the combine stuff that he did, um, I was just like. There are these situations. I mean, we we know for sure he can rebound the shit out of the ball. Like he's gonna do that. Maddeningly so if you're the if you're the opponent. Um, if you put him in a situation where he's protected and he can do what he does well, I could see him being a big pain in the butt. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously if he comes back and he shoots the ball, I mean, will he be allowed to do that is another kind of conversation. I doubt it, but um, I mean, Carl Towns what took eight threes when he was at Kentucky. I mean, there, there's just, team dude. Though, I know, but there, there's a reality to the situation. I know Oscar Sheboy might be getting feedback from the NBA scouts. He needs to shoot more threes or whatever it may be. But in the context of what John Calipari is going to actually run, let, let's be re realistic about it, right? I mean, that's that's my issue with some of the stuff about like even Chris Livingston, right? They're like, well, if he comes back, we want him to be more ball dominant. And it's it's just it's like, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's just right? not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. with Dillingham and Wagner coming in. Right. I mean, those guys are probably going to have the ball in their hands. I don't understand this unsavory sort of response from young players. I had a conversation. I'm going to name drop right now. Uh, I had a conversation with Rod Strickland about this one time where he was, said he, he, he was talking about talking to young players. I just happened to sit next to him at like a summer league thing one time and we got talking and uh, nice guy. But he we were just he was talking about how he talks to young players. And they'll be like, man, I don't want to play up talking about like if you're six, four, six, five, six, six, like I don't I'm not a four. I don't want to be a four. Mm -hmm. It's just like I don't know who's talking to these kids, but like the NBA has completely flipped what that even means. Like like if you play if if you play basketball like a four, if you function the role of like a, a traditional front court player, all those things have just been destroyed. If you think about a the way spacing has evolved in in the sport four shoot threes we go we're, we're going four out here like if you look at the only guy who really doesn't shoot threes for Miami is is Bam and you know and you look at like Denver they'll sort of toggle and switch between which of their guys is the non-shooter but even Aaron Gordon he'll come out and shoot three all their guys shoot threes so I'm just looking at like a Chris Livingston specifically and just speaking to that situation maybe they think that like if him playing four in college 
maybe specifically for Cal is going to be a thing that's going to like look bad for him or like showcase him in a way that's going to be not advantageous for the way he's evaluated or how much money he's going to make. But I just don't understand. I don't understand this instinct to be like, I'm not going to play the four um, because it's just uh, whoever's whoever's watching that and advising these people. I just think that they are not uh, they're not very present minded in the way basketball is being played right now. It's just it's frustrating to hear for me because I just feel like it's bad advice. That That's my take. It, yeah, it's bad advice. And also, I mean, Kevin Durant played the four in international basketball and dominated. Carmelo Anthony played the four in USA basketball and dominated. It's actually kind of if you're that wing that can slide down to the four in FIBA basketball, you are you can unlock the answer of being the actual star of USA basketball. If you really are Chris Livingston and you think you're going to be one of the top 15 players in the NBA, as some people have said, he believes he has that kind of ceiling, then that's how you should be looking at it, right? From a, from a lens of uh, what could I do for team USA? That, that would be my argument to every one of these kids. You know, we need, we need help. We need, we need some troops on the ground, making it happen. People talk about like, wait, did you say somebody said that he could be a top 15 player in the NBA? Is that I, I heard that's the kind of ceiling that they think someone like Chris Livingston could have with his frame and things like that. But again, this is, uh, I mean, you know, clutch, clutch works overtime. I mean, clutch, I heard so much about how the bubble was vindicated when the Lakers were going up against the Nuggets before that series started. Miami made the NBA finals. I haven't heard a word about the bubble. Clutch works overtime in the PR world, so I feel like I got some clutch PR. You know what I mean? That's what the Chris Livingston stuff them. I've heard is. Yeah. If there's power to be, a, 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 you know, that's a theme of this pod I'm noticing is, you know, if there's power out there on the table to be seized, you know, chaos is a ladder there. Little little finger uh, had it right there. I, I just think that... Um, I don't know the the top. Whenever people are projecting players, this is like a minor aside. Whenever they're like projecting players and they talk about like, oh, he's a top ten, it's, they'll talk about it in this like really unrealistic, hypothetical sense. And I'll be like, okay, you realize that like the top fifty. This isn't like some abstract thing. There are there is an existing top fifteen, and they're all incredible. Like I just the t the top thirty players in the world right now are. Um, if you think you're going to crack that, that's incredible optimism. More power to you, people. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah, I want to run down. I got ten names right here, and I just want to do a quick rapid fire: good call, bad call. It's a good call to stay in the draft, or it's a bad call to stay in the draft. And I'll run through them. We just we talked about them a little bit earlier, but Zach Eady is the first one for me. It would be a bad call. What say you, Kyle Man, to stay in the draft? I, I spelled it out earlier. Yeah, I think I think it makes way more sense for him to go back to school at this point. Yeah, go back to Purdue, Zach Eady. Kobe Brown, I would say that would be a good call to stay in the draft. I feel like, if mm -hmm. anything, he may climb draft boards. How do you feel about Kobe Brown? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is, He's uh, an osp -er. We liked him in the tournament. Toolsy AF. He's just a <laughs> modern guy who's going to get undervalued, I think, for just the... Uh, just if you look down the the range of impact that Kobe Brown could have. You want to talk about playing up. Kobe Brown is a guy who could like, he's physically solid. You look at a guy like Grant Williams guarding fours and fives. If you're physically solid and you can move your feet and you got mobile hips like Kobe and he could shoot threes and pass the ball a little bit. I would snatch up Kobe Brown if I were if I were a team that like was competitive. Like I think he has a lot to offer in the short term. Like I don't think he's like a project, but he's he could, he's a valuable player. I think opinion. he's a play now guy. Exactly, he can come on your team next year and actually help you. So he's a good call to stay in the draft. Dylan Mitchell, Texas guard. Um, I think he's a good call to stay in the draft. He's one of those guys where you we were talking about how it's situational. I think Dylan Mitchell has done his college due, and I think if anything, he will probably benefit from being in an NBA system. Kind of feels like a two-way project that could turn into a real player at some point. 
I don't I'm I don't have the present mindedness about him like okay like I'm not I'm not thinking about like what Dylan Mitchell is going to do today to impact let's say I don't know I'm just pulling these out of, out of nowhere like the Hawks the Cavs the Mavs I'm not thinking about him like that I'm thinking about developmental fit let's get him into an NBA developmental system where there's the pressures off of him I expect him to be a G League player for a while but if if you have if you're thinking on that it, it all comes down to who wants to invest in him because he has a lot to show I need to see if you can dribble I need to see if you can pass <laughs> I need to see if you can shoot he's shown some of the you know those just minor details Tate just minor yeah things. dribble passing and shooting those things we kind of need in our bag a little bit but I I, I see Dylan Mitchell and I'm intrigued. You know what I mean? I think that's why NBA teams are going to take a risk and, and, and maybe uh, even draft him, right? Early second round, something like that. So he's a name. I think it's a good call to stay in the draft. Andre Jackson, national champion for UConn. Um, I, I think he has a ton of upside. I would love to see him come back one more year for UConn. I think he could develop his, develop his game a little bit. So I would say bad call to stay in the draft. But also, when you win a national championship, what else is there really to do? So I wouldn't blame him for trying to capitalize on that. But personally, I would say it's a bad call. What about you, Kyle? He is a swing skill. It's a sim- it's a similar thing to like Walsh. Like we've seen a lot of, except you know Jackson has shown a lot more like applicable. Like he can pass the ball. He can guard multiple positions. He's he gives you a lot of sort of. Uh, Kevin and I were talking about this yesterday. He gives you a lot of skills. We always think of like guys attacking closeouts or like how good are you at like picking apart a defense with the ball in your hands. You want to have guys that don't need the ball in their hands that can still add these kind of skills to your offense, whatever it is that you do. And I think Jackson has shown that he could do that. But if he comes back and he shoots even marginally okay, it would affect his future. Um, I uh, what what did you say? Did you did you say you think it's good that he's uh, what? what was I think the it's a bad you? call to go to the draft. I, I think he should come back to UConn. I, I really do, and and I think he probably. I mean, I know Klingon will will probably be their primary guy, but I think yeah. with Newton, if you have Newton and you have uh, Andre Jackson and you have Klingon, I, I mean, you could talk about repeating, and, and that that leaves a legacy. I mean, we haven't seen a repeat since Florida, obviously. So I just think that would be a legendary move. But it feels like reading the tea leaves that Jackson's going to stay in, but I'm not sure. Yeah, you're, you're banking a lot on the young guys. If you're UConn, I had it pulled up here. They've got a really solid class coming in uh, next year. Let's see. I had this stag on it. Where Stephon it Clark, right, is the, yes. is the big name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, they have a great, they have one five star and then they have like a, a few four stars coming in. So they have a lot of talent kind of coming in. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. He has stuff to prove. Um, and he could next year. I'd like to see it. Yeah. Next up, we got TJ Shannon from Illinois. Um, I like him as a prospect. I liked him as a guard. I think him and Amari Bailey kind of fall in the same category in my mind. If they get a good opportunity, I think they can be a solid two guard. They can create shots for themselves. Um, I worry a little bit about his leadership, but also at the next level, I don't expect TJ Shannon to be a leader. So I think good call to stay in the draft, even though Illinois fans might be mad at me. I think it would be a good call for him. I don't know what else he has to prove at the college level. What say you about Terrence Shannon Jr.? Man, he really just needs to be more like just get some consistency. If he right. could do that, like, yeah, you, you were talking about his role changing. We talked about that a little bit on the draft show yesterday. That like, um, that's gonna be he's gonna be one of the people I think that's gonna have to sort of rethink his identity as a player. At this point, I think it's just a, either way. It's a coin flip, you know. If he came back and he showed some consistency, maybe that would change things for him. But he's an older guy now. You know, he's been in college for a while. I understand bounced around. I understand. Uh, wanting to move on. Um, he's somebody that it's probably, it is really close to a toss up, but I, I think staying in would be, 
I'd be fine with that. I think I think it's a it's a decent move. It's a yeah. good move. Uh, let's talk about Virginia guard Reese Beekman because uh, he had a pretty good combine, got some good notes, got some good feedback, and now he's waffling between coming back to Virginia. I personally think Reese Beekman is going to be an NBA player. I think he's a cerebral guy. Um, I don't want to compare him to Brogdon because I think that's a little bit much, but I like the way that he fits in on a team. I think he's a he's a nice fit for a lot of different teams that want to win now. Um, and I think it'd be a good call for Reese to stay in the draft. Do you think Reese needs to come back for one one more year to to play for Tony Bennett? Or do you think he's good to go? Uh, I like the idea of him going to the draft just because I think if you can add, did you use the word cerebral? Did I hear that yeah. coming out of your mouth? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the that's the word. I think I think the threshold, the, the demand for smart players in the NBA is higher than ever. Like I just I just think it's harder to survive in the league than ever. Like if if you're not thinking the game at a high level, you can be a smart person and be a dumb basketball player too. Oh that's, yeah. That's what I know a lot of them like. in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and there's some guys people that just don't care to think it or they're just not motivated to or maybe they're just not into basketball. You're balancing all those things. But Beekman is a guy who has a high, high level, like a high floor for decision making. Like I was talking about with Jackson, similar thing. Disruptive defender, shoots it decently from three um i could see him he seems like somebody that could emerge a year or two from now like that gone reese beekman who knew this guy you know um it's just giving you some extra sort of uh you know we've seen like miami uncover these guys like the Struces and the gabe vincents and the caleb martins and things like that um this you know Beekman seems like a candidate for that type of emergence in a couple of years he's being overlooked you know we're like oh he's pretty good yeah cool and we just kind of move on to the other shiny things but it's like oh this other thing that's like maybe not as shiny is great to have around and it's very valuable um you know maybe the ceiling's not as high but the floor is pretty daggone high so i like beekman he's a good player yeah and there's some people you know we joke about is this guy clutch that's one of my favorite questions he is clutch um i I don't want to put that uh you know too much pressure on him but reese beekman when it comes down to it he has shown that he is a clutch guy so um and but not a clutch guy you know what i mean he's he's different different clutches say. different clutches yeah. uh right there all right two more to go um jalen clark ucla defensive player of the year in the pac-12 i think if he comes back to ucla he could be in the national player of the year conversation we've seen some ucla guys you know make the leap maybe you know personally i think probably before they should have but i think if jalen clark were to come back i think it's a good call either way because he's that talented of a player and he knows how to defend but if he comes back to ucla like i said he is putting himself in first team all american kind of categories and i think that'll help him for the next draft um so jalen clark i would like him to come back to ucla do you think he has an nba future do you see him get drafted this year yeah, and I think the the buzz around him has been a little quieter, you know, right, right just because he's going to be, you know, recovering, getting Coming back to himself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, get get back, get right, have a good year, grow. Of course, growing and getting back can be tough just because getting back is tough. I've mm-hmm. torn my ACL. I'm not going to act like I was a D1 athlete, but it is there is a lot of physical. Have you, have you, you an ACL? You haven't, I you tore my meniscus, even? not my ACL, yeah. no. Oh, well, yeah, weakling. Uh, not a real guy. <laughs> He's not hardened, Kyle. He's not hardened by the sport like some of us. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just think like there there is a mental thing to get back from. You know, accomplishing those things in a year's time can be tough. Um, but you know, these days with that surgery, you do get back to normal. Like it's pretty. It's not as big a deal as it used to be. So I don't. I don't worry about him. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see Clark. That'd be that'd be big for you, right? UCLA guy. You get Bona back. You get. Uh, yeah, be, yeah. UCLA be, is up. Uh, Mick Cronin does not miss. And I think Jalen Clark is like the perfect Mick Cronin guy. Like 
Jalen Clark seems like he won the coaches award last year and that Mick Cronin probably is going to cry when he leaves UCLA. So um, me personally, if I have an injury and if I was advising someone that has his kind of upside, it's better to rehab when you're in college and you have the university taking care of you and they're actually dedicated to you and you're a top priority. You go into one of these NBA, you know, franchises and you're a two-way guy, the priority level probably isn't the same. So that would be my advice for Jalen Clark. Go back to UCLA, That's- get taken care of and uh, become a super superstar that you should be um last one he's fascinating advice yeah right the the last one um that i uh that i think he is he's one of my guys that i would flag he should be a first rounder but he probably won't be trey alexander from creighton um i've heard from you know nba people that he would be a second round pick or you know a lot two teams guaranteed him apparently that he would be a second round pick i think he has a lot of talent i like him on the ball i like him off the ball i think he has some versatility he has some size in the backcourt um, I think his shooting will improve. So Trey Alexander, I think it would be a good call to stay in the NBA draft. I know Creighton fans don't want to hear that, but Kyle, man, what do you see from Trey? And do you think he would be um, someone to look out for when it comes to draft season? Uh, it makes sense. I mean, this one also could go either way. I mean, you know, he was a pretty solid three-point shooter this year at, you know, 41%. And, you know, he can come back and work on like seeing two and getting off the ball. There are areas for him to improve this season, but um, and Creighton, I think he'll he'll have a little he'll have more opportunity. You know, I don't I, Nimhard not being there, there might be we might see Shireman slide into more of a primary role, but we may see more opportunity for Trey to slide into a more of a primary role. We'll see. Um, but it's another one I, I could see the argument developmentally for coming back, especially for someone he's a pretty you know he's a commodity for for Creighton like in that in that fan base, like especially after the run that they made, he has a lot of sort of cachet. He has a lot of like brand equity right now. Mm -hmm. So I could see that you move to, you move to the college game and you're going to be like you said, um, you know, you know, being, being in the NBA system, it's a, it's a little bit different obviously because they're going to move on faster. You know, the, the sort of affinity for you is not going to necessarily be to get the, to get that sort of benefit of the doubt that comes with like the affinity for a player. That's something that's harder to earn at the NBA level, you know? So it's a college. It's, it happens in a shorter amount of time. So, uh, you know, maybe bank on that, come back, get ready. I could, I, I could see him doing that like in turn. I could see that being good for him, I should say. Um, I don't know. That's kind of where I lean with Trey Alexander. Yeah, and I've seen some people talking about how they want him to be primarily on the ball. So without Nimhard there, he could, you know, in theory, play point guard and, and get those reps in and maybe the reps are what he needs. Um, I think those are all fascinating. Another name, Dylan Jones. Um, for uh, you know, He's another guy that I've seen that a lot of people think is going to stay in the draft. Um, I think he should stay in the draft. That would be a good call. Um, all right. So that, that's a nice rundown. Again, this is the deadline today for testing the waters. There will be actual decisions that are made. We need a tracker. Someone get that together. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to do um, a little draft because we have the NBA finals, but they also have a lot of college basketball players on those rosters. Kyle and I are going to build a starting five. We're going to go back and forth, draft our teams of the college versions of these guys. So Nikola Jokic, we'll treat him like a Serbian pro and we'll see where he falls in our draft. But uh, we'll come back and we'll do that. And then uh, we'll get out of here with some shout outs. All right, we're back. Um, in case you missed it, the last time that we spoke, um, the Boston Celtics were on a 2004 Red Sox-like run to win the Eastern Conference Finals. They were on their way to the NBA Finals, and it's gone. Jimmy Butler did it again. 
Pat Riley is in his 19th finals. Is that correct, Kyle, man? That's what we saw. Pat Riley, 19 finals. That's insane. Um, and the Denver Nuggets are in their first NBA finals. So there we go. We, we have a nice matchup. Um, the ratings heads out there are going to be very upset about this. They're going to be yelling, uh, screaming at the sky. Where are my ratings? Um, but we don't care about that. We care about the basketball. And I thought this would be a fun exercise because as soon as the finals were announced, I had, you know, in the back of my mind, the question was, who was the best college basketball player in the NBA finals? I was arguing in my own mind. Um, and then I figured, why not do a fun little exercise where we draft a starting five? We go back and forth. And then, um, you know, to get ahead of it, this isn't about the most decorated players, right, in college basketball. You can go back and see which guy was first team All-American or which guy had the largest win shares in the Big East or whatever it might be. <laughs> We're going to do this subjectively. These are the college basketball players that we would draft to build a starting five to, in theory, go win an NCAA tournament um, in six games, right? That would be the idea. So. We'll we'll start. We'll 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 do a draft. Um, Kyle has a coin here. Is that correct, Kyle? You're gonna you're gonna flip the coin. So we're basically GMs. Kyle, man, myself, we're GMs, and we're building a championship roster right now with the NBA Finals rosters. Kyle, do you have the what is it? A penny or that's a, correct, gentlemen. We've got a 1983 <laughs> penny here. 1983 heads is gonna be wow. uh, Abraham Lincoln. Tails is gonna be the Lincoln Memorial. Kyle, you're the second Kyle in the pod. So why don't you go ahead and pick uh, what you want. I'm the second Kyle. Okay. Uh, I agree with <laughs> that. Like that. I agree with that. Did I tell you, Kyle, uh, before we flip this coin, did I tell you about I went to, um, I went with my mom to something and, uh, and the, the, she was talking to the person she was talking to my mom immediately. She was like, she starts telling him about like what I do. She was like, Oh, do you know Bill Simmons? Like blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know who that is. And he goes, yeah, this is my son, Kyle. He works for, for the ringer. He works for them. And he goes, are you nephew, Kyle? <laughs> How'd that feel? And I went, no, sadly, no, I'm not. Just but, said, no, uh, I'm just, producer Kyle. <laughs> just that little feather. <laughs> I was like, just yeah, set me back Kyle. five years. Why don't you? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. I just wanted you to know. I wanted you to feel that the power of your reach there with that little anecdote. So there's a guy anyway. at Frolic who's like one of my good friends, and he uh, sometimes people come in there looking for me in the wild, and he's like a foot shorter than me, and people come up to him like, "Are you Kyle?" And it makes him so mad. So uh, <laughs> sorry, Mikey. It's gonna keep happening. <laughs> at least his name's. Not I love Kyle. that people go to the Frolic room looking for you. That's like I'm amazing. a fucking zoo animal. Anyway, what do you want? Heads or tails? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, I'll I'll go tails. How about that? Heads. Oh yeah, son of a bitch. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm fired up now. I will say Kyle is very similar. Like when I first got out to LA, the Viper Room was like a a place that people told you about, and it was because you could go you could go there any night and see Ron Jeremy. So like Kyle is the Ron Jeremy of Frolic Room. Um, he is <laughs> just there. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a, it's nice when you have like staples at certain places in Los Angeles and it gives you reason to go there. Um, all right, number one pick. This is a tough one. I would, this is where it all kind of started for me. It was like, so in your mind, this is the apex of them in college, right? So this isn't Jimmy Butler freshman year where he starts zero games and he averages five points a game. This is Jimmy Butler when he leads the Big East and win shares his junior year, right? So that's that's how I'm viewing this. This is the apex version of the college player. Just want to preface that before I make my pick. My number one pick is simple. I love the outlet pass and I love the bigs and he is going to be a guy that um, is basically Wes Unsell 2.0. He got his team to the final four when he was on UCLA's campus. His name is Kevin Love. Number one pick. I'm taking Kevin Love. That's my guy. So in the college uh, version of this, Kevin Love, UCLA, 
um, with Ben Hallen coaching him with the sea a different color. This is the this is the version I want, the best version. He's a little bit chubby. He's got some terrible facial hair. Oh, I love him to death. Kevin Love, number one pick. So we're are we excluding Jokic here? Or are we take no. Are he, we you just can saying, take Jokic. Just remember, he's an eighteen year old Serbian playing professional basketball, and he's got to come play at you know Detroit Mercy. I think that's where yeah. his, his brother played college basketball. Jokic's brother yeah. played college basketball at Detroit Mercy. So that is his de facto alma mater. So I think that's the version you do it. So you can take Jokic for sure. But remember, he's 18 years old and he's a Serbian and he speaks no English. Probably I think you so. should exclude him. I think it's like you think exclude him. I think it's like doing something in court. That's a really good point. And then the judge is like, everyone forget that. Okay. And it's like, uh, wait a second. It's not what are you talking about? It's not admissible. <laughs> yeah, but, but we all heard it. Admissible in court. There you Nikola go. Nikola Jokic is not. I think he's out. I think he's out. So so Nikola Jokic playing for Mega Mega Lex or Mega B Max. I forget the, the which one it is. Uh, so him. I mean, it's tough. It's tough for me. Well, for the purposes of this, we will exclude him. I don't know what college would try to claim Jokic. I, I had a moment where I was trying to imagine like what college would be the most fun. Like who would have who would it have been the most fun to see him go play for? But uh, we'll we'll leave that for another day. Um, uh, with the second pick, you know, you're looking down through here and thinking about who was who was the most impactful. Who was the the? Yeah, I mean, Love probably would have been my pick as well. And the interesting thing going on here too is that like. Some of these guys are on like sort of an inverted thing where like they they were incredible when they're younger. But now, you know, and it like Lowry played a couple of years of college basketball and he was good, but he's not as good as he is now, like or at his apex in the NBA. With my second pick. Um, Tate, I don't know why this is so hard, but it is. Um, that's why that's why we're doing this. I think it's a fun yeah. exercise. I'm going to go ahead and just pick uh, Jamal Murray. Wow. I know that, that, that might seem crazy. <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, because, because Jamal Murray was a good college basketball player, and people got a little freaked out by OG Ananobi blocking a couple of his threes. He was awesome. He had some like mega high output. And I think if that team had been better put together, he might be more fondly remembered as a college basketball player. But he had some just flamethrower and fuego moments in college. Uh, he was he was a good player. Yeah, I like Jamal Murray there. I, I was wondering where you were going to go with the number two pick. I thought Kevin Love would be number one. That's obviously why I took him number one. My number two pick is a name that I think is forgotten when you look at these finals rosters because obviously he's hurt right now. But my number two pick, my second pick for my team, my starting shooting guard from Indiana University, Victor Oladipo. Figured that was coming. Yeah. Uh, Victor Oladipo in college was um it, it was like a renaissance for the for the uh, Indiana brand for Adidas. This guy's doing 360 dunks. Obviously played with Cody Zeller. So Oladipo and Kevin Love, th- those are like those are the cogs in the machine that I want. So that's where I start. I go Oladipo number two for my team. See, your team is tough and gritty. I, the way I'm looking at the chessboard now, I feel like it's probably going to be hard for me to win unless I just like wipe the floor with you with every remaining pick, which I don't know that that's going to be possible. <laughs> uh, but I'm just kind of looking at uh, who's left on the board here. I need I need gritty. I need resourceful. I need. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think if I'm going to go defense in the backcourt or defense in the front court. Um because I know if I take this guy, you're going to take this guy, and it's going to look bad. Um, shit. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with. 
I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, with senior year Jimmy Butler just to give me a little because I feel like my options passed here. I feel like he he was a guy who contributed to winning, you know, not quite, you know, switchable defender, scrappy, um, got overlooked for some of the things he provided. I'm going to go I'm going to go Marquette, Jimmy Butler and a, a team that lost to UNC in the Sweet 16 that year. Yeah, it was a great run. Um, I remember watching Jimmy in that game with the Jumpman logo on his jersey and I'm like, I like that guy. I don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I like his game. His if I had to, if I had to forecast the future, he will probably be in the NBA Finals in ten years. I don't know. I'm just saying. I remember saying that on the record back then. Um, no, I mean Jimmy's Good. a great pick, and Jimmy's one of those guys where he literally is the definition of a late bloomer. And he just felt like he was figuring it out. And even when he went to Chicago, I mean Derek, you know Derek Rose used to be annoyed by Jimmy because he's like this guy thinks he's the number one guy, but he's not at all. He doesn't have the ability to be the number one guy. I'm the number one guy. And now we look at it and it's like, okay, well, Caleb Jimmy Martin was is, right. Yeah, right. That's Caleb the theme Martin of his career. For Jimmy it, was I mean, right. Yeah, he was right. He was right. Just a little ahead of schedule there. But I think Jimmy's a good pick. This is where I uh, this is where I struggled because I was trying to find my point guard. I is Jamal Murray playing point guard for you, or is he playing shooting guard? Uh he he didn't play point guard at Kentucky because of Ulyss, which yes. is understandable. Ulyss was awesome, but otherwise he should have, in my opinion. But for me, yeah, he'll play some point. Yeah, so I uh, I was going through who was going to be my point guard. I had a little bit in my mind where I was trying to convince myself, even though he wasn't a point guard in college, I was trying to say Christian Brown. You know, he's a winner. He's won at every single level. So maybe my backcourt is like a Christian Brown, Victor Oladipo, a lot of a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, hard to deal with. But then I kept going only back. Uh, only national champion, I think, in this whole group, right? I think he's the only guy. Am I mistaken, or am I screwing this up? Like I think. I think you're 100% correct uh, yeah. as, as I'm looking the at the rosters. Can... Yeah, he's the only national champion, so that was another thing. He's a winner, right? But then I I have to use my college basketball brain. I can't really pick a guy who's really a two-guard and then try to make him play the one because the point guard is so important, especially in the NCAA tournament, being able to manage a game. So then I was running through point guards. Reggie Jackson was a great option, Reggie Jackson at Boston College. But Reggie almost was more of a scoring guard than a facilitator. Um, when he was in college. So again, I keep doing the runaround. Ish Smith at Wake Forest. I was like, man, I loved Ish Smith. Uh, but he also had the Jeff T kind of behind him, helping him out. So they were kind of sharing duties a little bit. You mentioned Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was a little bit of a late bloomer himself. So maybe he could be the guy. And I keep going back and forth on it. And Kyle Lowry. I'm going to go with Kyle Lowry as my point guard. Um, I watched him go against North Carolina in 2005 in the NCAA tournament. They were up late in that game. Then they got up eight points with like seven minutes ago. My memory may be off there, but it, it was very much one of those moments where I stood up and left the room as a young man because I was so infuriated by Kyle Lowry, and he continues to do that at the highest level. He knows how to game the game. He's always had that ability. In the NCAA tournament, we're going to have some moments where we need our point guard to maybe call a double dribble on the other point guard or maybe tell the official that you're getting held um, and then fall down and get the call. So I need Kyle Lowry to do that for me. He's going to lead our team. And I think Oladipo's size in the backcourt covers his blind spot there. And, uh, yeah, I like Lowry and Oladipo in the backcourt, so I'll take Kyle. Yeah, I, He's I, the third I realized, Kyle on the show. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, ranked third. Yes, yeah. ranked I realized third. The, I realized the other day that I called that 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 controversial call from the 05 game. I called it an offensive foul. It was it was a travel that was called on Allen Ray. I, I went and looked that up, and it was it was a garbage call. Anyway, so we're moving on. <laughs> um, I need some toughness 
you would think Bam Adebayo would be a good cho- choice here, but I, we it's hard to disassociate Bam now from what he was then. He was a good college player, very good college player. But uh, I'm actually going to, people forget about this. I'm going to go with uh, 2002 Udonis Haslam as my four. So now I have a very, very tough. Uh, wow. What was the reaction in the room there? I love that. Pick. I love it, too. That's great. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle spit his drink Was he out. still scaring motherfuckers <laughs> back then? Or Kyle, Kyle, have you ever seen 2002 Udonis Haslam? He had a little he had a little baby fat on him still. Talking about Kevin Love having baby fat on him. You don't you don't wore the uh, he, he wore the T-shirt under his jersey. He was a he was a big boy. Those in those Whoa. Florida teams, as much as uh, as much as those Florida teams tormented me personally, they were very fun. It was one of those begrudgingly like, damn it, they're cool. I like this team like they just. They switched to Nike. They were just, I don't know. They had it going on. You know, that 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 Wonderkin team that almost went to the title, that did go to the title title game. And uh, and he played for that team that lost to the to Sparty and Mateen Cleaves. Uh, I'm going with Udo with my with my next pick. I love that pick. Um, I love that we're building teams. You know, we're trying to build an identity around our teams. And you mentioned toughness. My next pick is all about toughness. And I think that he is the number one utility guy right now in the NBA Finals. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. When he was in Brooklyn, they asked him to play the five at times because they had foul trouble and different guys ran out of the lineup. But it's Bruce Brown. Um, I know I know Bruce Brown did not win a national championship, but in my mind, the way he plays, he's a national championship type player. You put him with Kyle Lowry, you put him with Oladipo, you put him with Kevin Love, you play him at the three. I'm trying to do like a Baylor lineup where I have three guards basically around two bigs. Um, and I think Bruce Brown could guard your three. He'll be fine doing that. Maybe Oladipo if we need to, you know, move some size over. But I like the toughness of Bruce Brown. I like the you mentality. So there you go. I'm going to take Bruce Brown there. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Uh, I think I, I need to lean in the direction of skill now with my r- remaining picks. So uh, my next pick, people forget that this guy, like how good of a college player, how productive of a college player he was uh, at Georgia. In his season there, I am going to go with 2012-13 Contavious Caldwell Pope. Let's go. My next pick. Uh, KCP was an efficient, you know, he averaged 18 and a half points per game. He got up uh, 1.8 assists, but he was a really, you know, solid three-point shooter. He got up seven of them a game at 37.3%. Uh, I think KCP countering your alls, I just, I like it. He gives you some defense too. Um, I, I, I think I have my scores. I have my toughness in the front court, and we're going to see where we go from here. Yeah, and KCP was awesome because he was from Georgia. I love when in-state kids go to the state school, and they decide to do that despite everything that you know says you shouldn't, especially when it comes to Georgia basketball. But when he did that, I, you know, even I didn't, I didn't even watch really much of KCP, but I was like, oh, this McDonald's All-American is from Georgia, going to Georgia. I like this guy forever. So uh, KCP has always had some cachet in my mind. Um, I like to pick. And you talk about toughness. KCP's got some toughness. He's not afraid of anybody. And Denver hopes that he, you know, keeps that up once we get to, uh, you know, the actual NBA finals. My final pick is um, an Indiana Mr. Basketball, uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, uh, first team all Big Ten, uh, the number four pick in the 2013 draft. And it's the perfect, you know, way to reunite a team that should have won a championship or at least made a final four with Oladipo and Cody Zeller. <laughs> um, yeah, I know you're upset about this. The Kentucky fans are like, shut up, let, let this go. But I like it uh, as my center, as, as the guy that's going to rim protect. Um, I feel like he's a nice fit next to Kevin Love. Obviously we see that when they play together in the regular season, not so much in the playoffs so far, but 
I like the fit. I like Zeller. I like Kevin Love. That's my front court. And uh, they're just a great, fun college front court. And then you got Oladipo to give you the little bit of sauce that you need, uh, a little bit of moxie that you need to, to kind of scare teams to say we have that level of talent. And then you got, you know, Kevin Love to find guys, get open, hit threes, and then Cody Zeller to rim protect. Um, that's my final pick. That's my starting five. And then we'll do a six man, but that's my, that's my five that I'm rolling out. Yeah, I like that. And I'm going to go ahead and do one here. Uh, this is going to be an odd pick just because, well, let me, let me make absolutely sure that that's what I want to do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about it for zero seconds. That's what I'm going to do. This guy counts. Um, even though I guess you kind of got to think about him if he was going to 100% be healthy, which I think buries the, it sort of like reveals what I'm going to do here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 2017 18 Michael Porter Jr. Play the music, Kyle. <laughs> how, did, how did college Michael Porter Jr. make a starting yes. five? This guy's the mystique. One game. It's the mystique, man. <laughs> it's the game. fucking mystique. He do you lit want up John Missouri in that was exhibition it the wrong game. Porter? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I'm playing real fast and loose here, baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think if I can get a 6'10 guy at my three spot, who's going to be, he doesn't have to, and he, he can shoot threes, there's going to be less pressure on him on that on that Missouri team. He was, uh, or it was Kansas that he played in that exhibition game and played well. Um, yeah, we're just going to assume that like the best moment in time where he was okay. Um all I need him to do is catch and shoot in this game, Tate. That's all That's all we're asking him to do, and that's all he wants to do, so this is a perfect... Did I ever tell you about the time I encountered him in person, Michael Porter Jr.? No, please tell this, us. This is pretty good. So my wife and I were on vacation in Seattle. Like we, Well, we drove from Portland up to Seattle for a couple of days, and we were like... It was around the time he was being recruited. I think he was a senior. And we went over. We were just down near Washington. This is when campus. Steve Ballmer said he was the greatest basketball player he's ever seen in person. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, Steve, ba Steve Ballmer said that. That was one of my favorite parts of the mystery. I'm like, what did Steve Ballmer see? <laughs> right. yeah. I, I love Ballmer's scout brain. I'd love to talk prospects with him sometime. Um, <laughs> yeah. I uh, so we were we were down there and we rode like some kind of subway, like the 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 subway, the public transportation goes down to the campus and you get in this elevator. And as we were going down there, my wife does not give a shit about basketball, but I was just like, yeah, there's this kid, Michael Porter Jr., who's like being recruited by Washington and Kentucky. I was like, he's incredibly tall and he's a good player. I was like, yeah, this is a, this is a thing that is on my mind. I was, I was thinking about it as we were near their campus. Mm -hmm. So, and if people remember, he ends up going to Missouri from like the situation switch with his dad. So we get on this elevator and we go up and at literally as I'm finishing this sentence, I was like, yeah, this guy, the door, it, it was like something from a movie. The elevator doors opened. I'm serious. Like a couple seconds go by. He is standing there with, with, I think Lorenzo Romar maybe, or I, I forget oh, yeah. who he's standing there with. Uh, and we make eye contact. And I have this moment where I, I've just finished talking about this person and He's one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. I was just like, just jarred by how huge he was. And uh, we just kind of go on our day. I've never, I've never had like a speak of the devil moment that intense in my life. I don't know. Cause he didn't hear what I said, but it was, uh, it was definitely a, um, and I explained to my wife what happened like a couple seconds later. And she was like, wow, that's like a, one of those, like, I don't know. I guess we, it wasn't like I encountered him in Louisville. I mean, we were, we were somewhere that it was probable that he was going to be, but that was, that was my Michael Porter Jr. story. But your first impression of Michael Porter Jr. was wow. Right. So, I mean, that, that's the good news because I mean, that's pretty much what Steve Ballmer told us. He was like, I saw this guy one time. Wow. Look at the size. And 
the funniest part about Michael Porter Jr., and then we can get into our six-man picks, the funniest thing to me about him still is that he doesn't even feel fully formed. He's like a catch. No. He's like a catch and shoot guy, which should be just one like facet of his game. But that's what he has to be. He's the fourth option on this team, you know, in reality. So that's what he does. But who knows what Michael Porter Jr. would do if he actually played twelve games at college and was the number two pick and was given a team like Michael Beasley. It could have gone Michael Beasley's route, but in general, it would be fascinating because that was what always stuck out to me. And then when he did play. You know, in that first game, he like grabbed his back immediately. He pulled a Coach K um, and was out of the game. And, and then he <laughs> sat out. I mean, that was the mystery of it all. It's like this guy might be a marketing genius. I mean, he still got picked in the lottery. He still got picked in your top five. He only played one game. I mean, I don't know how he does it, but Michael Porter Jr., the mystery continues and he continues to win. So shout out to him. One of my favorite he can segments. Sit, he it. can s- <laughs> go ahead. Go, just saying it was one of my favorite segments of the. Uh, Old OSP. Just, just <laughs> waiting like, for the music. play this week? We're like, no, Kyle, yet again. <laughs> but somebody said something, though. Play the music. He could sit in a lazy boy recliner and shoot threes for all I care. I don't, I like, he, his job is going to be so simple. I, I love it. I think my team's going to average 90 points a game. Great I, pick, I think I feel good about it. I don't, I don't know if that's a patronizing great pick. No, buddy, I was I'll hoping somebody it. was going to do it. Michael Porter okay. Jr. feels like the guy that he has 35 points in the final four game. And then in the title game, he has zero points. And we're all yeah, like, what? We're like, is yeah. he hurt? What happened? He took two he shots. Could, <laughs> he could Wayne Blackshear it and just, you know, come down from the rafters and, and have a couple of huge plays. You'd just be like, hey, we got this lottery pick that's going to make a couple of huge plays for us. Maybe depending on my next pick, he, he could be my sixth man and he could just be this wild card that's going to just be eating at you, Tate. You're going to wake up in the middle yeah. of the night as the GM sweating. You're just like, what if MPJ comes in and just gets a quick 10? You know, that's what we got going for us. We got talent over here on Team Cop. I like the, I like the talent that's there. My sixth man is going to do a little bit of what you're talking about, which is a catch and shoot guy. He's going to come in off the bench. Give us a defensive spark. Spell Bruce Brown if we need some size at the small forward position. And he's a guy that in college, he was a sixth man. Um, he came in and and led a team, not led a team, but he was a part of a team that goes to the Final Four, was an important part of that team. And right now, he's kind of finding his footing again for the Miami Heat. He, of course, is friend of the program. Duncan Robinson is oh, going to be my sixth man. And uh, I just like that he could catch fire. Um, I like that he's a great locker room guy. And when you think about Kevin Love, Duncan Robinson, Cody Zeller, Bruce. I, we just got a lot of good guys. You know what I mean? And I think that the good guys could all come together and they can make something special happen. And then obviously Kyle Lowry's kind of on his own island when it comes to gaming the game and, you know, flopping a little bit. But we need that for college basketball. Duncan Robinson, you're the sixth man. And sometimes you might start depending on matchups, but I just love having someone that we can rely on from the three-point line. Yes, I think that's a good. He he's going to give you the opportunity to. Well, what you got to remember though is that like Heat Duncan Robinson basically was like Clockwork Orange had his eyelids like held open by Eric Spolstra and was like, "You're going to shoot a million threes or else." Like he he definitely <laughs> right. had like a, he had like abusive confidence therapy. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was kind of it's kind of a funny thing when you hear that story about him where they're just like, "Yeah, they they basically bullied me into being confident." You know, it's like it's they did this. They were like, no, you are going to be this this nuclear confidence guy. So I don't know. We'll see if you're going to get the same level of shooting that you, you get mm-hmm. out of like NBA. But he he could still stroke the ball. Uh, I'm going to, you know, talking about tools, toolsy AF guys. Um, this may be my new thing. Toolsy <laughs> AF. It, um, it made Kyle laugh. Kyle's like, OK, we're get, we got Gen Z coming in. <laughs> 
no cap. <laughs> I think ESPN killed no cap, by the way, with their new commercial. It was like, get the app, no cap. I was like, okay, well, never can say that again. It's over. It's over, yeah. <laughs> it's like South Park when so the parents start playing uh, Pokemon or whatever, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is lame. Let's get over it, yeah. There's always a spot in culture where like something started on the cool side of the spectrum and it trickled all the way down where it's like, I don't know, you're like Wendy's is like, hey, pretzel buns, whereas like pretzel buns were like at the cool gastro pubs, mm -hmm. you know, or you see something really cool that starts out like as a high fashion thing. And then there's like, OK, here's the uh, here's the Kmartified thing. No, nothing wrong with Kmart. I understand. But I, I just feel like maybe no cap. That's kind of where that's yeah, kind of where it's, that is getting into Walmart territory right now is where is where no cap lies. Yeah, you're going to respect Kmart if there's one thing you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> what school shop they came for many years, It Kyle. stands for Kyle Mart. <laughs> We're talking just in terms of like fashion credibility, like where, hey, where Route 66, start. buddy. Have That's you ever all. tried it? You ever tried Route 66? Plenty of good buys Quality at Kmart. I, I, I bought my shoes from Walmart when I was in college. Just I forget what the brand name was. But anyway, mm -hmm. did that over and over again. Hey, guy. Um, uh, my last pick, you know, speaking about Toolsy, Toolsy AF, Unless I just have am dad amnesia brain, I don't remember this guy getting picked. Uh, Jeff Green from Georgetown is going to be Great my last pick. pick. Uh, Jeff Green, those Georgetown teams were really fun. Um, that was sort of like the return of the the, the Hoya Destroya kind of energy there. Uh, 06, 07, Jeff Green, you know, he was a guy who shot 51.3% uh, from the field. He was already shooting threes at that point, 37.5%. He was a disruptive, switchy defender, gave you some assists. Uh, Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff, uh, you know, you had an interesting point about Jeff Green. You had sort of Mandela effect brain about Jeff Green, though, right? Yeah, I was saying to you before we even started this uh, that in my head, Jeff Green had at least three or four games, maybe five games of 30 plus points. And maybe that's because we live in this world where everyone scores 30 plus points. And that's just kind of like uh, affected the way that I look things in the past. But I looked it up before we did this because I'm like, I want to see how many games that Jeff Green went off. And then also I want to see how many FGAs he took to get it going. His career high was 22 points. Um, and if, if you had come to me beforehand and asked that question and gave me a line and said over under three and a half, I would have said the over, but that's just how impactful. If you watch Georgetown, he was so, he was the primary guy. He was the guy. And like you said, it kind of brought Georgetown back into the fold in the modern era. Um, and then it led into the Roy Hibbert era. I mean, Georgetown in the two thousands, they were still a legitimate brand and a legitimate program. And then, you know, we all kind of saw what happened, but Jeff Green is one of those faces of the franchise, so to speak. One of the faces of the program. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't my he wasn't my favorite guy on that team. I always was a Dewan Summers guy. Yeah. Uh, purely purely because I just like this name. Yeah, Dewan Summers. Name. I mean, that's just a cool as hell name, man. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. It's just it's it's fluid. It's got a little sauce to it. It, it rolls. It's just it's warm. You think about Summers. Uh, I don't know. But there was a, there was a lot of team like talent on that team. Uh, I was kind of going back and looking because I remember them as sort of a grinder offensive team. And you're looking at it. I mean, they put. Yeah, I mean, they weren't a high scoring team. 169th in the country points. They they were just going to they were going to shut you down. They were 11th in defensive rating that year, too. Uh, Jeff Green, I think he's going to bring a lot to my offense. I got skill. I got, you know, I got I got physicality. I got switchability. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I like our teams. I like our teams that we put together. I uh, I was going to ask who should coach our teams, but I don't even think we can get into the weeds of that. Um, it's not worth Rick it. Rick Pitino. Yeah, oh, I there don't you even go. have to think about it. I, I think Ooh, I would go Jim one. Laranega. I was going to make a rule that it had to be a coach of someone that was on your team. So Larry Nega with Bruce Brown was going to be my pick. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun little exercise. Uh, shout out to our teams. Shout out to Jack White. He would never have been drafted. If we had 25 <laughs> picks, he would never have been drafted. Let me let me say something on this. Yes, you're right about this. But uh, Tate, how insane is this? Jack White, who had one of the most famous like uh, like shooting droughts ever on that team that really needed him to shoot the ball. How crazy is it that Jack White, like the prob the probability is high that he's going to be the guy, the first guy from that 2019 Duke team to get a ring? I mean, who saw that coming? Come uh, on. I mean, that is, and uh, what's even more insane is that he started on the Zion, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett team. You know what I mean? Like when they played Kentucky saying. and blew out Kentucky, Jack White was standing on the court with the starting five, which is one of the greatest trivia questions in 20 years. You're like, who was the starting five at Duke in 2018, 2019? I don't think anyone's going to guess Jack White. But, I mean, kudos to him. He might get a ring. It's, and uh, It's weird. I don't even remember that. I have no memory of that. I maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, what game? What is this you're talking about? <laughs> uh, I think trauma erased that one from my from my archives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something. It's something for sure. Uh, all right. Let's get the shout outs because I want to shout out our guy, Caleb Love. Um, he was originally going to go to Michigan. Then he had the the whole transcript situation. Michigan doesn't let him in. Very similar to what happened last year to, to Terrence Shannon Jr., TJ Shannon. And now Caleb Love is going to Arizona, which is fascinating because uh, Coach Robinson, Steve Robinson, one of the assistants was at Carolina, helped recruit Caleb or knew of Caleb or had a relationship with Caleb. Now he's going to be there. Um, he is what I would de decide is like if Kirk Reese is a B, Caleb Love is a B plus, right? So you did upgrade at sub level, but you also got the exact same wild card where there's going to be some possessions that you have some head scratching where you're like, how and why? And, and is this real? Is this real life? Did that just happen? That's what Caleb Love will bring to your team in the most uh, fascinating way. I think it'll be an interesting fit. They also have an interesting roster. Kashad Johnson comes over from San Diego State. Umar Balo comes back, so they have a big there in-house. Tubelis is obviously gone, but I just think what Tommy Lloyd did with this team, Jaden Bradley comes from Alabama. Uh, Pella Larson decides to come back. They have a fascinating group. And then you have Boswell, who was 17 years old, five-star kid. I saw a video of him playing in his pajamas, and he's, like, cutting dudes up, and he's, like, literally in a full PJ outfit. And that is the most I'm him thing I've seen in quite some time, especially in a pickup game, playing with other guards. So <laughs> I, uh, I really like this Arizona team. As everybody knows, I fell in love with them this year. I fell in love with them last year, and they broke my heart back-to-back -back years. So I will never pick them again in March, um, ever. So maybe this is the year to to buy into Arizona, but they, they're one of those teams that I feel like should be a top five preseason team, and they might not be talked about enough. Um, so Caleb Love, how do you feel about that fit? Uh, well, imagine being an Arizona fan and being like, "All right, we're going to ship off Kirk Chris, <laughs> and then there and uh, the pause, but we're we're getting it. We're bringing in Caleb Love. I, I just I'm, <laughs> I'm I'd be curious to see sort of the heart rate monitor, the the vibes, sort of line graph how high Arizona fans are on that one. I mean, he he's just one of those giveth and take take it the way players. The best the best version of him is is heroic, is ballsy, is uh, you know, able to score, to put up points in bunches. We'll just we'll see we'll see what he's like in that environment, honestly. That this this is one of a, a major wait and see thing because uh, you know, I'm I'm telling I'm pre literally preaching to the choir on this one like with you. I mean, it's he he's he's just all over the place. He could be it could be a, like an incredible thing or it could be a frustrating thing. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it just feels like everyone in Tucson celebrated the fact that like Tommy Lloyd got rid of the guy that would waste possessions and then they brought in a guy who would do the exact <laughs> same thing. So I, 
you know, it's one of those things where I hope that it's not deja vu for Arizona fans. I hope it's better than that. Um, shout out finales. Uh, a lot of finales. Succession has. We don't have to get in the weeds of that because if you follow the ringer, you've already seen, uh, you know, all the deep dives on that. But just between that, between Barry. A show I watched that show with my mom. So I, I watched all three of those finales. And then, you know, I'm I'm feeling I'm in my feels anyway. And then I'm watching inside the NBA and they're like, this is our last broadcast of the year. Uh, I was like, how many finale? I, I was just getting smacked in the face with finales. So um, I, I was emotionally hurt. I, I was uh, I felt some things. But I love television. That's what I wanted to shout out. Shout out to finales and shout out to television. Thanks for being such a great friend. Um, and and succession. I know everyone was talking about the metaphor. Can they land the plane? I thought it was perfect. Uh, not that I'm a, a big fan of Tom, but it's not like Tom has any power. Madsen has all the power. Spoilers. Well, spoilers. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. right? I guess. Right? I, are people listening? <laughs> people haven't seen it. Kyle, have they not seen the ringer.com? It's everywhere. Um, and and it's on. Beep that out, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. 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 Take out the the Tom beep part. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was a great run of finales. I feel sad. I feel moved. I feel everything. And uh, I wanted to shout out finales because they're important in this business. And sometimes we get them wrong. As we saw with the Sopranos, some people hated Seinfeld the way it ended, obviously, with the, them all going to prison. Like, whoa, whoa, easy. You're just kidding. Is that a spoiler? I'm just easy. kidding. I mean, at this point, what's that? Bleep that out. I mean, should we, should, can we talk about the Super Bowl three days later? Fuck Yeah, you. yeah, right. Get over it. Get over it. You know how Jeez, Google works. Tate. Yeah. You're just ruining everything. I know. Ruining the surprise of but fina- God. Finales are tough, is what I'm saying. And I wanted to shout out the fact that I saw some good ones. I mean, even Barry. Uh, I, I, you know, I was kind of jerked around on that show a little bit emotionally, but I thought they landed the plane in that show as well. So, uh, shout out finales, and uh, that's really all I got today. Shout out Caleb Love. Shout out finales, Kyle. Man, uh, do you have any shout outs? And I think Kyle, we have to shout out Kyle's wedding. Maybe that'll be our last grand shout out. But Kyle, man, you go ahead first. Uh, I don't, I, you know, no shout outs, no notes on what you said there. I, I mean, I watched all those finales. I'm still kind of sitting with the Barry finale and thinking about yeah. it. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm stewing over that one more than, uh, more than the, the succession finale. Um, but, uh, overall, yeah, I mean, we're at this point, I, I feel your pain on the, the somberness of the inside the NBA thing. We're at that point of the year where I always have the realization of like, okay, we have as few as four basketball games left until the fall, unless you're, unless you're following the other stuff, which I, I will be doing. Uh, but it, you know, like the, the high level stuff. Um, yeah. The only other thing I had was just the, um, I wanted to quickly, we, you and I've discussed a segment that we were potentially going to call get, get that, get out of my face, you know, get yeah. out of my face with that or just picking things. Uh, I just, I found the Eli Drinkwitz uh, comment really <laughs> hilarious where he was talking about players making more money than his pediatrician brother. Uh, I just think any coach, any commentary uh, on how much these players are making, I just find myself rooting against the administration and the coaches. I, I know this is carnage. I had this written down in my in my notes, too, that like. I also can be a little hypocritical about the NIL and transfer portal stuff when it involves when it doesn't involve my team. I'm like these kids deserve their money. You know, screw these higher ups. <laughs> right. I don't want to hear any. I don't Tell want any belly aching. You know, I don't care if it's screwing you over. I don't care if your job's harder. You coach a game for a living. Hush. And then whenever it's involving my team, I'm like, we got to do something. Yeah, what control. is going on? Someone's got to regulate this. What is happening? They're just kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're, they're doing. Kids. What are they going to do with this money? Kids. They're just. <laughs> They're going to blow it. No, I'm just saying whenever, anytime I, I hear a, a quote, whether it's from, you know, Dabo or, uh, 
or Nick Saban. It tends to be the football coaches for some reason. I don't know. Whenever I hear a quote from them about NIL, I just I think to myself, get out of my face. Get out Mm -hmm. of my face with that. I don't want to hear it. I just think it's I agree with Boogie Cousins. I think these this is just reparations. I think we're going to be in a reparations. And I think maybe college sports deserves to be a tire fire for a little while. I think maybe maybe we just need to live in the stink of the tires burning because of all the years where these guys deserve to get money and they didn't. I'm, I've kind of been consistent on that stance. Just get out of my face with that. That's yeah, kind of get, where I, get that's out where of I, Kyle's face. And also, Eli, you made $6 million last year. Maybe give some of that to your pediatrician brother-in-law. Do it for the pediatricians, man. Right. This is a travesty. Yeah, we're taking, saving kids' lives yeah, out here. We're taking care of the kids. Uh, and maybe go help him out. Be a good brother-in-law for once. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe flip it around on him. That's what they should have done in the media session. It's about time the media pokes back. Uh, yeah, that, there, there you go. There you go. That That's a great shout out. I love that. Um, yeah, his pediatrician, good guy of the week. Shout out to him. Um, Kyle, the next time that we will be on the air, we will, we're only going to do one, one shining podcast next week. We're going to figure out the logistics. Kyle, man, I hope you can join us for that. That's, that's our plan. We're going to be in New York because it is OSP in NYC for Kyle's wedding. Uh, shout oh, out I thought to you. you were going to see Patino. I was going to be pissed we might. off. We might. There's some St. John's contacts. I, I do have a, a Patino shout out, by the way, before we get oh, to the... Oh, yeah, uh, please get you, get um, to your Patino shout out. He went back to his Greek roots. I just see this in the <laughs> in the New York Post. He adds Greek guard Lefteris Lidoopoulos okay. to St. John's 2024 recruiting class. So I just, you know, he went back. I, that was such a great time with that crazy fucking owner. I still follow him on Instagram. Yeah. That, that nuts guy who smokes inside and, I don't know, is always shirtless and just a, an enigma if I've ever seen Also one, so. saved Rick Patino's career. <laughs> right. So, I mean... <laughs> He's kind of a legend. So, yeah, good for him, uh, pay, you know, paying back to the uh, This feels homage. like some payola type deal. This feels like Rick Pitino owes his dad a favor, and he's like, I'll put your kid Some on guys came team. and visited him in New York, yeah. and he's like, all right, all right, all right. Right, right. He's like paying Rick's salary still. Uh, yeah, that's a good pickup for Rick Pitino. Shout out to him. I yeah, mean, yeah. he's building a great class. So this is 2024. This is yeah. next year's class. Yeah, but this kid was, uh, you know, talking to a bunch of people, but, uh, you know, the Rick Tater got him, so good. Shout out to the Rick Tater. Shout out to Slick Rick. Um... Kyle, shout out to you because you are going to be betrothed, not the next time that we're on the air, but the next time that we're on the air. Yeah. Are you, t- you're taking a honeymoon week, right? Are you going to, are you going to no. leave us? It's uh, it's the finals. So, uh, you know, I can't really do much. Oh. Uh, I, I will say after Bill has now soft committed to the wedding after canceling his RSVP, Whoa. I am fucking spinning. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how many plates we need. Uh, but we'll see uh, at the end of the Celtics game when he was all sad and I put up the pod probably faster than I ever did. Probably probably 35 minutes all told. I mean, really, it was special. And the next thing he says was, I might come to the wedding. So I don't know if that was because of the pod and the Celtics. You're like I don't a, know. You're like a current college basketball coach and you're talking to a player and they're like, I might I might stop testing the waters. <laughs> I might come back. Like that. Bill, Bill is like every kid right now in the portal and yeah. he's just like flirting around. Bill's in the portal. Yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like trying to figure out where he's going Fielding pitches. This is our third. This is our third uh, change. So we'll see. Sniff, snap. You know he's welcome. I guess I'll just tell the guy uh, we're, we're we're getting another plate, and it might be an empty seat. I think yeah. that's the right way to go. Did he want fish or did he want steak? I think he's going to be a steak guy. Yeah, get him a steak. Get him a seat. Okay. Overwhelming steak orders. I thought the Branzino was going to be a classy hit. Like, oh, guy goes to L.A., comes back with a little bit of class. 
There's like, you know, there's like 12 Branzino orders and like 85 steaks. <laughs> I think, I, did I get Branzino? I think I got Branzino. I figured, Did you yeah. imagine a, a narrative, Kyle? Is that what you just said? You you imagined in your head people would be like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle knows. Kyle knows. Kyle knows about Branzino. He gets it. <laughs> oh, dude. One of my friends at my wedding, We one of the things we did was like this ice sculpture, like ice cream. Like it was like a block of ice but had these bowls carved into it. Um, just just prepare yourself for what your wedding's going to like. There's always one person that makes a comment that's like sort of off the mark a little bit weird. But we had like this ice cream bar thing. And one of my friends, we were sitting at that like the, the bride and groom table. One of my friends came up and was like, dude, have you had the ice cream? It's terrible. They like just whispered <laughs> that into my ear. And I was like, thanks, man. Get get out of my face with that! Like what? what is that? Like, you know, like, Can you please get out of my face. <laughs> Keep that to yourself, my man. I, I wish somebody I would. I got two bounces at my wedding, so yeah. uh, uh, that's uh, let somebody try to say some shit like that to me. Uh, speaking of the beef is squashed. I don't know yes. if everyone's uh, caught up, but I've got uh, screenshots of the texts that were like, "Hey, this is good," but if you ever do that again, we're gonna have a problem. So uh, hopefully, we can keep that. Uh, on the up and up, uh, the bouncers are aware just in case anything pops off. But I don't think I think we're really in. I like I've been saying on Brazil, I've been walking on sunshine. Uh, the bill came in for the uh, for the catering a little higher than I thought. But you really can't you can't touch me right now because I'm feeling so good that we're all on the same page here. Yeah, I'm excited. And uh, I have done some recon with the L.A. crew that is going to be there. I have I have a team to align with. Shout I was out very Troy. worried. <laughs> Shout out to Troy. Uh, I have I have boots on the ground help just in case. If something were, I just wanted to have a team. You know what I mean? If it was like Anchorman the and portal. the news teams You're get the together portal, and they're about all. to fight. Yeah. yeah, I was very worried. But the, the L.A. team, the L.A. table is strong. They signed you. Is, is, <laughs> is Bill at the L.A. Ta- table? No, no, no. Bill, I'm not putting Bill it? near any of these crazy people. Okay. I'm uh, okay. Bill's going to be at a family table if he shows up. I think he's going to show up. I mean, there's a lot of public pressure now on him. I don't know if I would, how I would feel about this. You see what I'm doing here? You see? Yeah. Yeah. I think Saul Verbal is honestly a win. Um, because now if he doesn't come, it goes back to the gift. You know what I mean? It goes. <laughs> it is a win-win for me. It goes so straight back to the gift because you're like you. You were snip snapping. You were hurting. You were breaking my heart. Hey, also, I, at the end of the day, I get it. He's Podfather. It's Game Four of the Finals. Didn't right. think this one through, guys. I didn't. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping that I'm on the train at Grand Central Station with Bill to Poughkeepsie. That's what I'm hoping. I, I think, think that's Bill, I think Bill gets to Poughkeepsie by helicopter or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> he's definitely not taking the train. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to do it, but I don't think he's taking the train. <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, great there shout you outs. have it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a great wedding. We'll recap it as best we can. We're going to do a little, like, uh, I'll ask Kyle some questions. I, th- I went through my Andy Cohen catalog to get some, like, good wedding questions, you know, before you enter into the, you know, the the abyss uh, or whatever you are. into the Whatever pool. Kyle calls it nowadays. Yeah, whatever right, it is. Right, the beauty. <laughs> The beautiful place, uh, the happy place, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. This has been One Shining Podcast. He's Kyle Mann. He is producer Kyle. Um, one day, one of them is going to be in a conference room yelled at, yelling at each other going, I'm the eldest Kyle. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for that moment. It's going to be great. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>